You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. Hi, Las Vegas. This is Matthew Cox, your host, and you're listening to the Never Give Up Show. I'd like to welcome our callers and our listeners to the show today, and where we discuss all things about parenting children with special needs and much more. We are excited today's first today's show. We have a special guest, Jonathan Mooney, who is an author and public speaker. He travels around the country in helping children with special needs as myself and others that have been down that road. Jonathan, are you with us on the radio today? Yeah, Matt, I'm here, and thanks for having me on your program. Hey, I'm excited to have you, Jonathan. We're we're so glad. As I mentioned earlier, um, I was talking to, before the show to, to you, Jonathan, and my co-founder actually met you a, lot, a little while back, a few months ago. You were speaking in L.A., and she was very impressed by your speaking uh, event that you put on. And um, that's how we came across you. We bought your books, and I've read. I'm starting to work through it. It takes me a little longer than normal, but I'm reading through them. <laughs> and I love the the information you have in your books, by the way. And we're going to be talking about them today. So I'm excited to have you here with us, Jonathan. Well, well, again, I'm honored to be a part of the show, and, and I'll, I'll be frank with you. If, you. if you read both my books, you've read uh, two more than I have. <laughs> you're you're so like congratulations, me. Congratulations, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, once you, once you write them, do you ever really go back and read them? Because you're scared to read them and, and look at it. We're in the process of writing one. I, I know you're feeling. <laughs> you go back and read and go, what did I write? <laughs> exactly. But um, tell us a little bit more about your educational um, background, Jonathan, because I'm excited for our listeners to hear it a little bit. As as here in the Never Give Up show, we're we're working with parents with special that work with kids with special needs, and and also the listeners that if they're working if they're in that population, I, I work with foster kids and they also struggle in that area with special needs. So tell us a little bit more about your education. Well, I mean you you uh, you know you described uh, the, the the label that was used for me really well. Um, you know I was the the kid who grew up with. Uh, the label of having a, a profound learning disability, and uh, I struggled uh, tremendously in school. You know, I was the kid who spent most of elementary school uh, chilling out with the janitor in the hallway, and uh, I was the kid who spent most of middle school on a on a first name basis with uh, Shirley, the receptionist in the principal's office. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a kid who just uh, di- didn't fit in school. Uh, I actually dropped out of school for a year in sixth grade. And uh, that year, when I was 12 years old, I had a plan for suicide. And uh, I was told that I'd flip burgers for a living. I, I was told that I would be in, in, in jail or, or uh, incarcerated. And so uh, I had I had a lot of a lot of struggles. But uh, but those uh, hopeful prophecies uh, didn't come to pass in my life, uh, as was mentioned in your uh, announcer's introduction to me. I, uh, I graduated from college. Uh, I've gone off to author books and uh, had the privilege of. Uh, Traveling the country, telling my story. So I struggled tremendously, but but ended up making my own way and and uh, being successful. Now through those struggles, Jonathan, you've tell us a l- the listeners and and 
what what did you struggle with in your education? You mentioned going through school, the behavior issues. What was it that you had a hard time with? Mine was a processing learning disorder, and I struggled with um, uh, ADHD. So as you can tell, I'm trying to catch my thoughts. And um, so what was it that you struggled with through your education? I struggled with both those. I mean, I think on, on, on uh, first and foremost, there were uh, what, what teachers described as behavioral challenges. Uh, you know, I was the kid who couldn't sit still. You know, I'd be at that desk and, and five seconds in the class, not five minutes, but, but five seconds in the class, the foot would start bouncing and then both feet would start bouncing and then uh, I'd, I'd bust out the drums and, and then I'd try to take my leg and put it behind my neck and, you know, <laughs> I, I was promptly removed. Uh, <laughs> told to spend the day, uh, as I said, with the janitor. Um, so I struggled, uh, with uh, with with behavior challenges, uh, uh, with with what later became understood as ADHD, but before it became understood as ADHD, I was just a bad kid. And then I struggled with uh, with learning learning disabilities or learning challenges. Uh, I was labeled dyslexic uh, in in fourth grade. I didn't learn to read until I was twelve. Uh, I still spell at a third grade level today. Uh, I read in the twelfth percentile, and uh, I grew up. Uh, in the in the in the stupid reading group. Now, folks didn't call it the stupid reading group, but every everybody knows the smart and, and stupid group. Uh, you know, my my group was a was a was a bird that did not fly. You know, it was like the ostrich group, and it ran quickly. You know, so I uh, I was hanging out with C Spot Run in the dumb reading group, and uh, everybody knew it, and and I knew it. You know, I sit here and listen to you tell your story, and I, I visualize me sitting in class, too. <laughs> I was the guy next to you and where we were probably making trouble in the back of the classroom. And and that's it, it, there's a reality that, that you're sharing, and I hope the listeners are hearing it. And, and those that are working with children with special needs, is it wasn't easy, was it? Mm, no, no. I mean, school... School is not a, uh, a kind uh, nor a friendly place for folks with uh, with atypical brains, and uh, and I choose that uh, that language intentionally. Uh, I have come to believe that uh, dyslexia, ADHD are, are cognitive differences, and they're differences that certainly have liabilities to them. I mean, you don't want yes. me doing doing your taxes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like that's not a that's not a good uh, good role for me, but but. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you want an entrepreneur, if you want an innovator, if you want a, a fireman or firewoman, uh, let me tell you, you, you want the ADHD brain doing those things. Yes. So, uh, so school is not a friendly place for for those of us with with cognitive differences. And uh, if anything, uh, I succeeded despite my schooling, uh, not because of my schooling. And you know, you mentioned it in your book, in the first book you wrote with your friend David. Is that right? Yeah, my colleague at Brown named David Cole. David Cole, and I, I actually, I'm working in the middle of that book because I have to digest it, but I love how you guys give it the realness of what the the disability is because I don't think a lot of people have walked in that those shoes where I remember all the time when people would just tell me, you just got to read harder. Yeah. I'd, I'd look at them and say, what does that look like? Do I need to stare at the book harder or yeah. is it going to pop out at me? Or they'd say, you just got to go memorize those words and you'll learn how to spell I, I don't know if you you uh, came across a lot of that too. <laughs> I did. My my favorite uh, my favorite uh, vap, vapid euphemism is uh, you have to you have to focus or pay attention. You know, <laughs> if, if, if if I knew how to do that, you know, the 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 world wouldn't need Ritalin. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, 
you know, you know, exactly. I, I do think that, um, there, there's a real lack of empathy and, mm-hmm. um, not, not malicious. Uh, I don't, I don't no. mean it maliciously because it is hard to sort of get into the mental landscape of, of somebody who lives on the other side of normal. If you're on the right side of normal, um, it's hard to understand that. And, and many teachers, um, went to school, uh, and, and, and became teachers because school was easy for them. You know, they were good at school and, and it's very hard to understand somebody, uh, who's not good at the things you're good at. You know, I, I was naturally good at, at soccer. That was one of my refuges and escapes. Uh, but you don't want me teaching, uh, y- y- your child, Matthew, to play soccer. I, I'm the worst soccer coach in the world because I look at a kid who can't juggle a ball when they're four years old and I just tell them to juggle harder, right? <laughs> so it's very comparable. And, and I think a lot of my work, um, yeah. and I commend you for it too, Matthew, because I think it's your work as well, is, is about sort of bridging that empathy gap, for lack of a better word, yes. and, and helping people understand the validity of the challenges. Um, and then, uh, helping them understand that, that these challenges often come with strengths, gifts, and talents that can be advantages. And that's kind of what I'm trying to create here is the show, even though that we had the struggles, like you were saying, you know, school is this way and you went through it and you worked through it and processed it. And you, like you said, even, you know, it's, it's a wow factor. And I hope some of the parents were listening when you first started out where you said, I had a suicide plan. I had it all charted out. And we all were there at a point. I, I know I've thought about it when I was in school because it's really emotionally draining not being normal or being told that you're broken. And so a lot of times you sit there and you think, well, if I don't fit into the norm, well, then I should probably check out. I don't, I don't know if that's kind of where we're hitting on it. But I, I love in the book, let's, let's highlight that book, reading and tell me, learning between the lines, right? Mm-hmm. I always, I, my co-partner laughs at me because I say reading between the lines, but learning between the lines, you, you emphasize, you and David go through it. What was the purpose of that book? You know, that, that book was, was really two things. Okay. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, 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 learning outside the lines was, was written while, uh, David and I were, uh, undergraduates at Brown university. So, so I was 20, started the book when I was 20. Uh, finished it when we were you know, off 21, uh, 22. And so the, 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 the real goal was first to sort of share our stories as mm-hmm. we needed to. And, and uh, uh, David has a very powerful story himself. David yeah. was, a, was a high school dropout, um, uh, struggled with substance abuse, was homeless for a time, and uh, made his way to Brown University again, sort of uh, against all, all odds. And so we wanted to share our stories and, and, and we wanted to um, kind of put out in the world that that uh, folks like us can can be as successful or frankly uh, more successful sometimes than uh, than than those people who uh, who don't have these challenges. Um, so we wanted to, to sort of uh, embody um, uh, a different path uh, forward for for people who were differently. And then secondly, we really wanted to to to, to kind of create the roadmap that we didn't have. So uh, as you mentioned, Matthew. Um, School isn't built for atypical brains. No. <laughs> um, there's no uh, guide uh, to navigating school if you have one of those brains, and, and there's no guide for parenting uh, a kid with a, a learning difference that's not uh, all about what's wrong with them. And uh, we wanted to kind of create that guide that we wish we had. So Learning Outside the Lines is, is, a, is a really practical book. It was a practical project. It was about giving people some really concrete schools to – 
uh, tools to, to do school differently, and if they're an educator or a parent, to help somebody uh, like myself or David uh, uh, navigate school in a different way. You know, and we, we're so pressed about or with that book at the Never Give Up Foundation. Every time we go around and speak, we suggest it strongly to kids that are getting into college because it, it is the roadmap. You wrote the book I needed in college, and um, I failed many times throughout my college. I wish I would have had it earlier. Um, I, I had to go cry to the math department to let me go into 101. <laughs> and so it's a beautiful book, and I hope the parents understand that it's if you have, if you're listening, mom and dad, if you have a child with an LD or is getting ready to go into college, you need to get this book. It's called Learning Between the Lines by Jonathan Mooney and David... Say his last name, Jonathan. David Cole. David, David Cole. Cole. And it's it's a book that you need to have on your shelf if you have any children or anybody in your home that has a learning disability wants to go to school. Because, Jonathan, you graduated from school from Brown University. How did you do that? You're supposed to never do that. I've always, I remember hearing that all the time. Never. So, yeah, you did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brown University, as, as an English major, is, is the last place you expect to find a dyslexic. <laughs> English uh, major, out of all things, too. <laughs> and, you know, and, and really, um, the answer to how that happened um, uh, is, 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 is kind of the, the beating heart of, of, of winning outside the lines, because not only was I not supposed to be there, but, but David uh, uh-huh. Cole was not supposed to be there. And, and then not only were we supposed to not be there, but we we certainly weren't supposed to have the success that that both he and I had there. I mean, I graduated uh, with a, an honors degree, uh, actually uh, with a 4.0 wow. in English literature, and uh, I was a Truman Scholar, which is a, a living memorial to President Truman and a national finalist for a Rhodes Scholarship. And and David was uh, really sort of an art superstar at Brown and has gone off to be a professional uh, artist. So the, the the journey there was was really the beating heart of of learning outside the lines, and um, the, what made that journey possible was really a, a fundamental belief, which which I I hope is present in the book, but more important than the book, uh, I think it's my core uh, work in the world and message, a fundamental belief that like folks like me and David and yourself, Matthew, we're not broken. No, <laughs> you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with with uh, the dyslexic brain. It has challenges, don't get me wrong, but it's not an inherently flawed brain. And the struggle really arises between a mismatch uh, mm-hmm. of the brain and the environment. So all of the tools in Learning Outside the Lines and the tools that I used are, are about how do we reconcile that mismatch and how do we uh, uh, modify the environment to, 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 to make uh, success for a different brain more possible. Um, so my journey through Brown was facilitated by all sorts of, of things that helped me not change my mind or brain, but helped me change the context I learned in. So books on tape, different ways to take notes, different ways to approach uh, reading, different ways to approach note-taking, all of these things that we're, 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 we're told there's one way to do. Well, the reality is there's multiple ways to take notes. And the challenge for students, and I really think this is a challenge for, for students with learning differences, but it's a challenge for all students at the end of the day, is how do you learn and how do you adapt your approach to learning and uh, to, to, to fit your cognitive style? And, and that was really um, the, 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 the method and the framework that helped me navigate not only Brown, but, but frankly, navigate my life in a successful way. And those are key principles that continue to navigate both of our lives. And I, 
I look through and I'm learning principles in your book that are helping me currently that I haven't practiced. So I'm grateful that you guys wrote it. Jonathan, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your other book, The Short Bus, which I love and I think it's just a great journey. So stay tuned. Those that are listening, this is the Never Give Up Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. We'll be right back. In his book, The Short Bus, Jonathan Mooney documents his journey across America to find others who have used humor, imagination, and resiliency to create satisfying lives beyond, quote, normal. This inspiring record of his odyssey documents Mooney's search to help himself by learning from other short bus riders who had learned to live in beautifully original ways. In The Short Bus, you'll meet Ashley, a deaf and blind girl who curses out her teachers in sign language. Kent, a performance artist with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder who loves yo mama jokes. And Jeff, an obsessive eccentric whom society would label autistic and other short bus heroes. These people confirm Jonathan's belief that normal is a state no one actually visits. John discovers that everyone must embrace even their most radical differences. The Short Bus is a rebellious, funny, and incredibly colorful investigation of life lived happily outside the lines. The Short Bus by Jonathan Mooney can be purchased in bookstores or online at jonathanmooney.com. Do you like what you're hearing on the Never Give Up show with Matthew Cox? Do you want to help keep this show on the air? The Never Give Up Foundation is looking for businesses or individuals interested in sponsoring the Never Give Up show. If you're interested in making a donation and keeping this show on the air, please email Matt at NeverGiveUpFoundation at gmail.com. Your donation can make a difference in the lives of children who have learning disabilities or other learning challenges. Please help sponsor the Never Give Up Show with Matthew Cox by emailing Matt at NeverGiveUpFoundation at gmail.com. Every donation, large or small, helps. All right, welcome back to the Never Give Up Show. I'm excited to have you here with us. And and we have Jonathan Mooney, author and public speaker of two books, Learning Between the Line and The Short Bus. So when we went to break, if you're just tuning in, we talked about the first book, and now we're diving into your second book. Jonathan, are you with us? I'm here, Matthew. All right. Well, Jonathan... The, the short bus. You still, I love the title. I always tease. I'm, I'm often. I ride the short bus, and when I have a tough day and I don't have my ADD under control, I said I forgot my helmet and I must have fell down a few times. So, <laughs> it, it, it's a great term, and I always. Uh, I was so excited when I heard somebody wrote the book, the short bus. So you stole my title, and I'm excited you wrote it, because <laughs> uh, it's an exciting book. I, I love how you start taking the tour. And and featuring these people out there, these wonderful, talented people that you've caught in in the moment. Tell me about what, why the short bus, and what got you to what? How did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, I mean, first first of all, the the, the short bus is is, is 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 not meant by any means to be no, of course not dismissive of of folks who. Um, have personal experience with that bus. I mean, I myself was was one of those people. And <laughs> so was for I. <laughs> listeners who who aren't um, sort of on in in the joke here, uh, the short bus is is a, a, a real thing. It's a, it's, a, it's an actual vehicle that uh, in in many parts of the country 
uh, takes young people to special education programs. So it's the, the sort of vehicle that transports kids with a, a whole continuum of different special needs, uh, not just folks with, with physical challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is a symbol of, of disability and, and then subsequently um, uh, the idea that the folks in, in, in the bus aren't normal, that, that who are on the wrong side of normal. And um, my goal was to um, sort of explore that concept of normal because uh, at the heart of my experience as a kid who um, had a learning difference, at the heart of my experience, really what, and you said it best, Matthew, really what led me to have that experience of thinking about suicide at 12 was the, the belief that I wasn't normal and um, that I was defective in some way and that I had no place in sort of normal human society. So I wanted to really look at that concept of normal. What is it? Where does it come from? What impact does it have? Um, what are the consequences of, of sort of judging people as abnormal? And I wanted to go on a journey that explored that. So in thinking about going on a, a journey that explored normal, you know, the, the, the best vehicle to go on that journey with is a short bus, obviously, because uh-huh. uh, it embodies that, that, <laughs> that idea or sort of discourse around normal and abnormal. So that's where the, the title and the sort of uh, 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 frame of the book came from. And the book really is uh, a story of my journey around America in a short school bus that was converted to be an RV for 35,000 miles uh, over, over a four-month period in which I uh, profile people who uh, sort of defy our n- definitions or notions of normal with the idea of really uh, helping people see uh, beyond that concept and, and see what a dead end it is to try to live your life beholden to, to a norm. And, and, you know, in the book, I like how you, <laughs> I was, I was just reviewing it this morning again, and I love how you started out the book where you're waiting to buy the short bus and you're starting to begin that journey and you start kind of thinking about it <laughs> and it starts getting a little heavier and you're like, wow, this is going to be a big journey. But in that journey, where did it take you, Jonathan, personally? What did you learn in that whole process? Well, it took me it took me a, a couple of places. But first, I want to I commend you for a well-known dyslexic strategy, which is you read the first page of the book. And that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you the middle. your question on that. Well done, dyslexic <laughs> brother. I appreciate it, man. I really do. I just, just... I've done that. Yeah, I've noticed that the cover of your book... Says, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 you know, you, uh, we're on the same page, trust me. <laughs> We're kindred spirits, man. So I wanted to recognize that and, <laughs> and celebrate it for what it is, which is a beautiful uh, coping mechanism. Yes. A brilliant, different mind. Um, but nobody else knows. See, that's what the beauty <laughs> Well, now everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we outed out. ourselves. So great. Ratted you out on the, on the air. Um, but, but the journey really, I mean, it was, it was, it was a heavy journey. I mean, to, 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 to be honest with you, and I think you diagnosed it properly because, um, uh, not only was it a journey into sort of this concept, which I think looms over all of our lives for better or worse, uh, normal impacts all of us, whether we had a label or not. I think it's a pretty pervasive uh, way that we judge ourselves, judge others, judge our relationships. It's a lens that we all consciously uh, or unconsciously adopt. And when you when you hang out with it, you realize it does a lot of damage. Um, oh yes. And it's uh, it, it it takes you further away from yourself when 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 you're trying to uh, 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 adhere to some fictional idea of a, of a norm. So the the book really took me to people who kind of challenge different aspects of of what is normal and really sort of 
got right in into that that paradox. And so it took me, as I mentioned, all around the country, but particularly it took me to uh, uh, about 10 individuals who are profiled in the book. Mm-hmm. And each one of these individuals has a, a story of, of, of being uh, marginalized because they weren't normal. Uh, and, and then a story of resistance and really a story of, of celebration of their differences. And um, it, it took me uh, to amazing people. Uh, I think your announcer uh, mentioned one, probably one of my favorite, which is just this gentleman named Kent Roberts, who at the time was living in, in Austin, Texas. And he's a, a gentleman with uh, some of the most extreme ADD that I've ever found, ever experienced. Uh, and his story is really about um, his struggle, much like yours and I's, of being ADD in school. But, but more importantly than his struggle, his story is really about the connection between his ADD and his creativity. He's a, a brilliant performance artist. He's gone off to write books and, and perform all around the country. Wow. And, and he attributes his creativity directly to ADHD. And uh, he believes deeply that if his ADHD was cured or if his ADHD was somehow taken out of him at birth, that he wouldn't have the creative faculty that he has. I totally agree with him. I, I do too, and I, and I believe that 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 ADHD it, it should be renamed the, the creativity <laughs> gene. And without that gene, without that trait, we don't have the uh, innovation and out of the box thinking that we need. And so, uh, Kent really embodies where that journey went, which is to the, the deep paradox at the, at the heart of many of these experiences, which is uh, often what goes hand in hand with the deficits and the challenges are some, some profound strengths, gifts, and, and, uh, and uh, 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 assets that, that we as a culture need. And, and you know, and it's so, um, it, I, I was going to use the term cool, but that's probably not the right way. <laughs> but it, it's, it is cool. I'm going to say it, that it, it's so cool to see these people that are not normal and really see that how they do make up society if you take a deeper look in it because I've met the most interesting people that weren't normal and the most boring people vice versa so it's just when I read a few of the stories and yes I did skim and read stories and catch some of them I'm gonna out myself (laughs) but Jonathan you caught a picture that nobody else can can say they've done that so I'm curious I'm gonna ask it how, how did it change your life personally once you were done with that journey for four months? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I very much, um, many times throughout my life and, and uh, even uh, embarking on the journey, uh, capitulated to and, and, and strove to be normal myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things I think about having a cognitive difference opposed to uh, a physical difference uh, and or being of a, a different race uh, or gender is that you can sort of hide, you know, you can, you can, you know, be in uh, the LD closet, so to speak. And so I did that many, many times in my life. And I, and I sort of strove to be normal and to hide these things about myself and to forget about the short bus and, and the short, the, the journey on the short bus, my journey on the short bus uh, fundamentally changed that for me. And I think it really, um, is embodied in the way that the book ends. I, mm-hmm. you know, rule number one of pitching your book is never give away the ending, but that's all right. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, I really started uh, uh, on the journey thinking that you know I would I would be done with the bus at the end. You know, like I would I would get off the bus in front of my elementary school and 
you know, sort of do a symbolic, you know, in your face kind of thing and be done with the bus. And um, what I realized was that, you know, I'm, 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 I, I never will be and nor do I ever want to be done with the short bus because yep. some of the most interesting people of my life in my life have come to me as a result of the short bus, not my bus that I drove on, but metaphorically. And uh, my traits, the things that got me on the short bus to begin with are some of the best things about me. And uh, accepting that and celebrating that uh, uh, was where I ended the, the, the journey, but it's not where I began the journey. You know, you mentioned an interesting thing is being on that short bus for so long. Um, even throughout your book, you talk about it where since we're, we've been on the short bus so long, we're told we're not normal. It does have a, an effect on our psyche where we deal with um, we have our ups and downs, our highs and lows in our lives. And, you know, just like you in your book, you shared the struggles you had with certain things. And when I was growing up in, in my story, when I share it with the parents, I, I struggled just like Dave and everybody else. We had that addiction personality, that impulsive issue that we, we struggle with constantly. And and did you see that as you went around and, and interviewed all these individuals? Yeah, well, I mean, I saw, I mean, as you mentioned, I, I, that's a struggle that I had myself. Um, and uh, many, many, many of the individuals who, 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 um, who, who came into the world with the bus had yeah. comparable, comparable struggles. And I think that's, one of the um, uh, one of the liabilities of this brain that you have to look at honestly, and you have to look at uh, in a very real way, and you you have to strategize around. Um, I think the emerging paradigm for mm-hmm. these brains is not to be naive about their challenges, um, but to understand that those challenges come with with talent. And you need strategies and support to, to, to mitigate your weaknesses and to really scale your strengths and to build a life on, on, your, on your strengths. Now, yeah. one of the paradoxes is that if you have a sort of addictive and or impulsive tendency and then your self-concept is consistently demoralized and demeaned in a school setting or in a home setting, if you're called the stupid, lazy, crazy kid by everyone around you, you, your uh, that's a recipe for for substance abuse. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. And we have to uh, understand that that yes, biology plays a role in in that phenomena, but uh, socialization plays plays uh, at least an equal role in that phenomena as well. Because many young people with this tendency are pushed uh, over the line because of the way that they've been treated. And and you know, and that's an interesting dime like the way to look at it is because it is, it's, it's very socially driven where we're, we're always going to be our worst critic, aren't we? And yeah. we're always going to be hard on ourselves because we expect so much from ourselves that because we want to prove to everybody that we're normal, <laughs> but but there is no normal, right? <laughs> well, that's a track you get, that's a trap you get stuck in. Yeah. That, and it's a cycle we keep going in. So Jonathan, we're talking about the short bus. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back. And I'm going to sum up the short bus a little bit and then talk about your public speaking and where you've been. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Never Give Up Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. We'll be right back. Don't stop 
Do you want Jonathan Mooney to come speak at your school or business? Jonathan's a highly sought-after speaker and has lectured in 43 states and three countries. He's lectured at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education, Brown University, University of Wisconsin School of Education, New York University Medical School's Grand Rounds, Teachers College Columbia University, the University of Pennsylvania, Vassar College, and many other institutes of higher education. Jonathan's also given keynote addresses at most major national education conferences and speaks frequently to students of all ages. If you would like Jonathan to come speak to your school, business, or organization, visit his website, jonathanmooney.com. That's Jonathan, M-O-O-N-E-Y.com. Do you like what you're hearing on the Never Give Up show with Matthew Cox? Do you want to help keep this show on the air? The Never Give Up Foundation is looking for businesses or individuals interested in sponsoring the Never Give Up show. If you're interested in making a donation and keeping this show on the air, please email Matt at NeverGiveUpFoundation at gmail.com. Your donation can make a difference in the lives of children who have learning disabilities or other learning challenges. Please help sponsor the Never Give Up Show with Matthew Cox by emailing Matt at NeverGiveUpFoundation at gmail.com. Every donation, large or small, helps. All right, welcome back to the Never Give Up Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. And you've been you've been listening to Jonathan Mooney, author and public speaker of both the Learning Between the Lines and the Short Bus. I was going to say reading, but I caught myself. Jonathan, are you there? I'm here, man. All right. Did you see that that ADA or ADD moment there? I I always catch myself. I have to use those skills because I got skills, not milk. I got skills. So here we go, Jonathan. <laughs> we're we're back, Jonathan. We have a caller, so we're going to take a call. Is that okay? That's, that's lovely. All right, here, here we go. Um, our caller today, Jennifer, are you on the line there with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, well, welcome to the Never Give Up show. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> we have Jonathan on the phone here, or with us on in the studio. We'll just pretend he's here next to me. You have a question for Jonathan, don't you? Yeah, I do. Excuse the screaming children <laughs> in the background. Um, first off, I just want to say I love the idea of the short bus. Um, I work with LD kids, and my question is, what would you personally like to see, like, happen in the public school system to increase the learning potential for LD kids well, moving that, forward? That's a good question, Jonathan. That's a wonderful, wonderful question, Jennifer, and, and uh, no need to apologize about the screaming children. I have a, a <laughs> three-year-old and a 14-month-old at home, and... Uh, Pretty soon, the 14 month will probably finish this interview for me. So uh, don't 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 worry about it. Um, okay. Well, I didn't want to distract you guys. Yeah, that's true. We are a distractible bunch here. Uh, and, and you know what? And thank you for for dedicating your life to to, to making the world a better place for for folks who learn differently. Um, it's such important work. And and I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm going to give a kind of big picture response to your question in a second, but. The, the, the micro picture, uh, the everyday picture, is that, you know, it really is people like yourself who, who change lives. And uh, right. like, it's, it's a hard situation to work in sometimes in an underfunded public school situation, and some of the policies are not supporting teachers and doing the most innovative work. But, but nonetheless, even in that sort of flawed context, uh, your, your work is, uh, is transformative. Um, now, when it comes to, you know, what could we do to move that ball forward, um, as an educator, 
You know, I fundamentally believe uh, one of the most important things you can do is uh, counter the emphasis that we often place on deficits and problems with a eff- emphasis on helping a young person understand their strengths. You know, right. uh, the LD world, we spend so much time talking about what's wrong with kids like me that uh, we lose sight of what's right. And uh, it's, it's really identifying those talents and those strengths and building those that young people are going to uh, build their future on. So as an educator, that's really what I would, I would focus my, my energy on. Now, I know you've got to work on the reading and writing and handwriting and those kind of things, but, but try to sure. find some balance with building strength and having that conversation. Uh, now, this last point is a little bit beyond your scope of work as, as an everyday teacher, uh, but I think it's an important conversation for, have, for us to have. You know, uh, I really think that the sort of story of progress for kids with learning disabilities in our country is, is the story of one step forward and two steps back. Um, the one step forward is really the teachers I meet, teachers like yourself, folks who want to uh, ha- do things differently. That's unequivocally positive. The two steps back is no child left behind and, and the standardized learning environment that that policy has created in our schools. And you can't reconcile learning diversity, learning differences with standardized uh, instruction. And, and that's what's happening in, in many schools. So as a community, as a society, we have to really address that policy uh, and the, the, the regression that that has brought in many schools to a standardized instructional model if we want to make the world a better place, not only for, for, for the kids like Matthew and myself, but frankly for all kids, because I really do believe that the insight of the learning disability world movement that we all learn differently is an insight rele- relevant to all of us. Jennifer, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it did. Thank you. I think it did. I Thank you, Jonathan. I I like that insight. So, Jennifer, thank you for calling in, and we're so grateful for that question because I hope it answered some other callers' questions, our listeners' questions also. So thank you so much. Oh, no problem. All right. John, Take that, care. That's a great question, Jonathan, by the way, because it, it is what what do we want to see in the school systems when it all all said and done, and I think you hit it right on the head. Because um, my co-founder is an actual principal in the L.A. area. You met her. And um, we we always looked at that having the no ch- child left behind, and it is kind of that I call it the the two cement shoes that you get thrown overboard on, with, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it is a standardized learning. I I love how you put that. So it, here's where I want to kind of end on is um, before we go to the next break is going back into the short bus, and I'd like to thank that caller. That was a great question. With the short bus, you you ended your journey, and you came in it, and now you're. What what was the finalizing? Because we we ended up. You're telling us the story about all these great individuals, and then you kind of went through. What's the last thing you want to put for us to understand how important that book is to, for individuals that have a learning disability to know what the norm is or isn't? Why is it important for them to read that book? Well, and and honestly, whether whether somebody goes to the book or not, okay. um, and whether reading is the right medium for them or not, um, you know that that that's neither here nor there for me. What what, what I think matters about that element of my work is, mm-hmm. um, and what folks I think should understand is that that normal is is inherently a fictional concept. 
Um, it, it's a statistical artifact, meaning it only arises from sort of statistical thought. Uh, it's actually a word that did not enter the English language until the 1860s. So before the 1860s, we did not have the word normal in our vocabulary. It didn't exist. It's something that we created. And the beauty of understanding that it's something we create is to understand that it's something that we can recreate, that we can expand our definition of normal. We can understand that to have a brain that struggles with reading is normal. To have a, a brain that has uh, the attention span of a gnat, like my brain, is normal. That that's a, 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 a part of the human condition. And that we can understand that it's up to us. It's up to ourselves. It's up to our relationships. It's up to our schools and our society how broadly we define normal and how many folks we decide to include within that definition. And that's tremendously powerful, that it's not something that's imposed upon us that we have to strive for, but it's something that we create ourselves. Now, in that message, you, you, you're starting, you take this across the country, public speaking. I want to kind of talk a little about your public speaking because that's the message you're, you're trying to get out there. Is that correct? It is, yeah. I mean, my, 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 my work as a, as, a, as a speaker or as a catalyst of somebody who wants mm -hmm. to spark dialogue in communities is, is we, have to, we have to think differently about atypical brains. Now, you know, we have to uh, understand that these brains are valuable to human society. We have to understand that most of their struggles stem from, from what's done to them, what happens to them, not anything that's intrinsic to them. And uh, we, we can uh, uh, create schools and work environments that, that uh, celebrate and accommodate these brains opposed to pathologize them. So, you know, I, I, I want to share um, an interesting experience I had in my work. And maybe because you said that we, we have to create an environment that helps us non-normal or out, outside the box kind of thinking individuals. And I approached my um, employer and I says, hey, I need help doing this, 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 because I have this, this, this. And they just looked at me. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, yeah. how did you respond to that? I, I'm curious what you did in, in that situation. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think that I, I historically had a, a series of, of unhelpful responses, uh, <laughs> um, you know, ranging from uh, shame, right? Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? They're right. Um, my difference isn't worthy of accommodations, even though the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, requires the accommodations. I'm not going to to uh, uh, push that. And then my subsequent reactions were one of sort of going the other direction, which was being aggressive and antagonistic um, uh, uh, with folks, mm -hmm. which, which was not helpful in, in advancing my cause. And then the, the, the third, probably most healthy response was to uh, meet in the middle between those two, uh, which was to understand that I do have rights. Um, uh, these uh, differences are protected under federal non-discrimination legislation. And uh, most folks, not all folks, but most folks are rational and reasonable. And if we have a dialogue with them and, and uh, help them understand uh, my experience and some concrete things that we can do differently that won't cost anyone any money because about 90% of the time, the accommodations that people look for in school or the work world are costless accommodations. You know, they're not, it's not about money. It's more about getting outside of old ways of thinking. And then ultimately for myself, um, and I think this is really the, 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 the challenge for all of us, 
mm-hmm. is I worked really hard on creating the right, right niche for myself professionally. And that meant that I had to match my brain, its strengths, its weaknesses with with the particular profession that I was choosing. And, and that led me to self-employment. That led me to um, uh, building off of what has historically been a strength for me, which is uh, talking. And, um, and it led me to this, this really uh, focused approach to try to create the right niche for myself. And uh, I think that's the future for folks with neurodiversities, cognitive differences. How do you create that niche for yourself that uh, allows your weaknesses to be mitigated and your strengths to be the platform that you uh, move forward on? You know, and, and I remember a quote, it says, if you figure out what you do the best and you perfect it, it's somebody's going to want it and need it. Exactly right. You know, I was at, and, uh, I do a lot of youth development work and, mm-hmm. and I created something called the Urban Arts Academy here in Los Angeles and it helps kids who are taggers become designers because oh, that cool. core skill set of tagging of being graffiti artist can be translated to a job. And I was asked by one of these kids, you know, they said to me, how did, how did you become successful? And, and I said, look, I got good at something. And that, that, that is the key. And I think that that's something that we don't uh, let young people with learning differences do. We spend so much time, and foster care youth and probation youth for that matter, we spend so much time uh, on what's wrong with them. We don't give them the time and the opportunity to get good at something. You know, and it's so funny because every day that's all I do is I work with foster kids and you hit the core issue right there. And I, and I hope um, anybody listening that has kids or parent or, or parenting foster kids, that is the key is to, to get them to be good at something and they have hope, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and we're going to take one more break, Jonathan, and we're going to come back and I want you to sum it all up and leave some good advice with our parents, what they can do to help kids with learning disabilities and then we'll go from there. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Never Give Up Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. You have a child with a learning difference or learning disability and wish they could meet someone like Jonathan Mooney? Jonathan Mooney is president of Project Eye to Eye. It's a mentoring and advocacy nonprofit organization for students with learning differences. Through the program, younger students are matched with high school and college students who also have LD, ADHD, and who act as mentors, tutors, and role models. Project Eye to Eye currently has 20 chapters in 13 states, working with over 3,000 students, parents, and educators nationwide. If you would like to find out more about Project Eye to Eye, visit their website at projecteye2eye.org. That's Project E-Y-E, the word to E-Y-E dot org. All right, you're listening to Never Give Up Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. We have Jonathan Mooney, um, author and public speaker of both the in, <laughs> Learning Between the Lines and the Short Bus. So I'm going to get that here pretty soon, Jonathan. Are you there with us? I'm here, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to sum this show up, and I want to kind of end on this note, is that we're talking about normal, and I love the concept that you come up with as far as normal. I've listened to your video on your website, and I I just really key into that whole thing because it is true. I always um, teach the parents a, a little different concept, which is, I think, the same, is that you're parents of artists, and we are truly artists, aren't we? And we think different. We, we don't think normal. And that's what the blessing is. If you ever had a child like me or you, um, we are definitely different. 
and we are a blessing, but also sometimes a very tiring blessing at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but I always tell the parents when I work with the foster kids with the same attention disorder is that you find that talent and they're going to end up going to Brown University and graduating with, graduating with a 4.0 because of determination and encouragement. And that's the only way we've got there. And that's how I got there. And Jonathan, what do you have to leave with our parents? We got about uh, five minutes left. We're going to end here in a minute. And tell us anything that you feel that our listeners need to know about these areas. Well, I think I, I think for the for the parents out there, um, it, it, Matthew, you're right that, that, that determination and, and hard work are are sort of the, the personal characteristics that that make somebody like myself and your and yourself successful. Uh, but there's there's often not always, but but I would say more often than not, another variable, and that is that they the, the student had an advocate in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's true for me. You know, it, it, it's disingenuous for me to um, sort of talk about my experience or success in a vacuum. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my uh, my mom. You know, my mom, uh, she fought for me. You know, she she fought against all the odds for me. Uh, she was uh, not educated. She, she raised my brother and two sisters on welfare in San Francisco. Um, she w she was underestimated because she had a really kind of strange high-pitched voice like Mickey Mouse so a lot of people ignored her uh, but my mother cursed like a truck driver you know and, and you did not want cursing Mickey Mouse in your office <laughs> and that's where she was you know? she was she was in that office uh, when things were going wrong for me and and, uh, and she fought for me and I think that's an important uh, a part of every one of the success stories I've heard is that they have a advocate. It doesn't always have to be a parent or foster parent, uh, uh, grandma, grandfather, aunt, uncle, teacher, social worker. Uh, those people can be advocates, but, but having a, an advocate framework is important. And an advocate framework uh, means that, uh, that y you're the voices of, of a person like me when they don't have a voice, that you help them navigate very complex systems because the systems that surround kids in special ed or foster care or uh, coming out of probation, those are complex systems. And you give them the tools to ultimately navigate those systems uh, uh, themselves. But I'll tell you, I, I need somebody out there to not fix me. I need somebody out there to, to fight for me and fight with me. And uh, every parent, no, no matter where they come from, no matter what challenges they have or foster parent, they can be that advocate and, and that, that changes the life. You know, and I like you, you, you pointed out you don't need anybody to fix you. You just need help. And, and that's one thing when we work with parents coming at the emotional side of it is that it's never going to go away. Like you mentioned earlier, you still read out of third grade as I do still read out of fourth or uh, third grade also. And it's never going to go away, correct? It, 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 it's not going to be cured. No. And so much of the conversation uh, and so much of what parents are encouraged to do is try to cure and fix their kids. Yeah. And they should fight for their kids. They should develop strategies that help people accommodate their challenges opposed to remediate their challenges. And then they should invest in scaling whatever strengths and interests that that child has, regardless of what those strengths and interests are. You know, if a, if a kid loves animals, you can build a life on that. If a kid loves playing video games, I live in Los Angeles, video games, a billion dollar industry. You can Huge. make a life on a passion for video games. Find the interest, find the talent, and scale it. 
And that's the key. And, uh, you know, and it was so, what's so cool about it, Jonathan, we're their, chi- their children 30 years later, and we're standing before them saying, hey, this is our needs, these are our wants and wishes. Listen to us. And if we ha- were the voice of their children, were your, your children grown up 30 years later? And, and the, you can have some insight how they think, how they feel, and how they act. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully as, as we, we share our stories, and I'm so excited, Jonathan, as you go out and do that work, um, we're in your back door following you right behind you in the short bus, probably um, in a little littler short bus. But, <laughs> the shorter but, short bus. Yeah, we're following you. And, it, and it's exciting, <laughs> just as you know, and as you get out there and meet all these people, it's just everybody has a story to tell, and, and it's, it's such a great thing to share that story and let their light shine. And Jonathan, we do appreciate you being on the show today. And how can they get your books and your material and get a hold of you? Yeah, Matthew, uh, folks can, uh, can check me out, um, uh, whether it be just wanting to kind of see some things I talked about, uh, uh, engage me for, for a speaking opportunity or, or see a YouTube clip. They can, they can check me out and, and, and most importantly, email me directly from my website, which is uh, just my name, Jonathan Mooney, which is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y, Jonathan Mooney at uh, uh, just JonathanMooney.org. Okay. And, and you, um, they can get all your information there. And if they need you for Vegas to speak here in Vegas, they can just email you and you'll, you'll hook them up, right? Without question. And I will say to, to the listeners out there, I have spoken in, 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 in 47 states and, and, and the great state of Nevada is, is not on that list. Well, we're going to get you here. We'll so. have to fix that. <laughs> we're going to fix it. And Jonathan, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I'm such, it's a pleasure to meet you. And we look forward to, um, in the future, having you back on the show. And Matthew, man, I commend you for the work that you're doing and, uh, and, and, and for, for your courage to share your story and your passion to uh, make the world a better place for those of us uh, who, who don't fit, fit the narrow definitions of normal. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you bet, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember, guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.